1: Hail ye, Lord Nosh, Count of Comestibles, when victuals need describing and scran scrutinised, delicacies described and the intrigue of a hot pot's whatnots. Look no further than today's guest... Tom Parker-Bowl.
2: Yes, delightful to have you. Wasn't that a fantastic introduction? Wow.
1: Yes, <laughs> you can uh, use that as the introduction for your next foray into journalism. <laughs> yes.
2: Well, it's very nice of you to come over today, and we're talking in various forms about transport, but then perhaps any subject that you'd really care to sort of delve into. But is there a particular favourite, you know, are you a, a car, a boat, a train, a plane, a, a walking, a cyclist, a, an astronaut? So what's your favourite sort of transport?
0: I'd say walking. Ah. Oh. I never used to walk. I used to run. And running is rubbish. Because mm. you get tired. Yeah. Think, um,
2: things pull out of your pocket. Things fall out of your pocket. You get mistaken for a, uh, uh, somebody that's just committed a crime. Sweaty. There, there, yeah.
0: there, there are many negatives of running. Walking.
1: Well, you know, you stroll, when you amble. Win. Stride. You wander, you stride.
2: Yeah. I don't be
0: stride more. I yeah. wander. Oh,
1: or, I'm a strider. Or potter. Potter, that's yeah. what I do. Like. Potter, yeah, weaving around yeah. as well. Weaving. I like weaving around in busy streets, maybe in the centre of London, and there's a lot of people out, and you can weave in and out of them, and it gives you a kind of thrill. But that's a London thing, weaving.
0: During lockdown, I was the second one I was in, in London, and going around Hyde Park every day. I love Hyde Park. It's, it's fantastic, the trees there, the different people, the different types of people you get in the different areas, the different nationalities, but it's the interior. When you start
1: going off the beaten track... Yes. ..then you find all sorts of people. You people, know, snogging. people snogging. People yeah. snogging, people having a pee, people yes. having a kit. Talking about people snogging in the park, when I was a kid, I was about probably about 11 me and my friend saw a couple snogging, canoodling mm. on the grass beneath a tree. So we decided to circle them on our bikes.
2: And, <laughs> ruin their, and, and and ruin their, their afternoon, ro- romance. Ruin
1: their romance yeah. by hooping and, and, <laughs> and as we circled them. And the fella got up and pursued us. <laughs> So we went off laughing at high speed and he eventually got hold of my mate because we were laughing so much at the fact that he was chasing us. And he got him and his bike and threw them both into a huge bush of nettles. And, oh. uh, and that soon put a stop to our uh, shenanigans. Laughing uh, uh, yes, uh,
2: yeah, on the laugh other side of your face then, no doubt. But I'm pleased that you because I like when I'm walking around I mean part of it is just being very nosy I like to see what's going yeah. on so you yeah, like hearing people's conversations you're just a microcosm of their lives as they walk past you or a glimpse as they're, as they're just making their tea of an evening Does you ever um, sniff them as you walk past no I think that would be it, it, because <laughs> uh, if I was to sniff one I'd have to have to sniff lots for comparison <laughs> and then it would make it so sort of awkward
0: <laughs> but you do with scent for me it's the most immediately evocative because you're walking past and you get a whiff of something doesn't it? Yeah. fish and chips or perfume or whatever it is and you can't help it but you're whipped back to yes. whether it's a school dining room or your mum going out
2: to dinner or it, you can't do anything about it and that's you do get a lot of smells in London. But also with your involvement and expertise with the culinary world presumably the scent of food is very important
0: oh definitely that's the thing about food we all we all eat food we all like or dislike food we all you know we can be celibate we can not pay our taxes but we all have to eat so it doesn't matter if you live to eat or eat to live you know that doesn't make a difference but everyone has strong views on food and so it's not quite like a theatre critic or a film critic where you require some sort of vast you know uh, empirical knowledge perhaps to put everything into context I mean for, yeah if you eat lots of it you see that chef's different from that chef but yeah, food is the the universal thing. That's what I love about it. So you can describe and talk about it with everyone. But I got the COVID a few weeks ago and it was, you know, and I lost my t- sense of taste and smell. Oh. And it was just, it's like chewing cardboard without any of those senses.
2: Out of interest then, did that mean that uh, you could have gone without, I mean, I love a bit of bread and potatoes, but did it mean because you couldn't taste them, you could have happily lived without them? Funnily enough,
0: yeah, it was so boring eating potatoes and bread. The only thing I ate, with soup with enough chili to literally blow your head So you could taste out. a bit of the chili. you get a bit of the pain was in the round your mouth, the senses around your mouth, you oh, get yeah. that. you get a bit of salt, but a bit of sweet, the very basic things you could get. And orange
1: clippos, because they just tasted quite, I love mm. orange clippos. Now see if you can clear this one up for me. I've heard this rumor that the delightful smell that comes from an Indian restaurant is pumped out onto the street <laughs> via fans through vents. To, what? to entice people in I, I don't know but I know in supermarkets they have been known to put the
0: scent of fresh baked bread yeah right you know so you mm. come through it's like the way that supermarkets put the milk at the back so you have to go all the way back to get and the milk all at once is a part pint of milk exactly yeah. You always kind of, all those bits that tempt you at the, at the checkout it's all supermarkets I've read a thing about it are a brilliant psychological design to pull money out of you and yeah. every single thing's at the right level for the kids for the for the adult for the milk being at the back it's it, it's not just a supermarket it's an exquisitely designed machine to pull your cash out yeah. of mm-hmm. I love supermarkets I mean I love artisan food shops and obviously butchers and bakers and all the rest of it but I, I, I love when we were kids like when the, the new Sainsbury's opened it, we, I grew up in Wiltshire Chippenham just outside Chippenham it was all orange and brown in those days mm. very 70s colours and for me and my sister, it was just like wow, you know, all these boring farm shops and food from the garden and yeah. seasonal and local. We wanted ice magic, white bread, Maybe. you know, all those lovely, lurid things that we were allowed. But it was, it, it was, it was like a different world. It was like going into some beautiful, yeah. you know, Tem- palace, te- palace, of, yeah, yeah Tem- exactly, palace of some temptation. pleasure, you know, pleasure palace, and yeah. so, you know, everything was
1: just like, you so know, it was and, an early love food it was an shopping. Of
0: also rubbish food as well because yeah. i you know obviously supporting our farmers and buying british and all those things are very important when it comes to meat. but i love rubbish as well you know mm. i hate you know everyone says what's your food guilty secret i don't have any guilt over food you can't mm. have guilt over food you know oh i feel very indulgent i feel very naughty doing that mm. what but, about a slushy? oh my god which one yeah i love slushy <laughs> those cinema ones you get you get a it's called a tango ice blast at mm. the cinema I love cinema food as well mm. overpriced hot dogs overpriced popcorn yeah there's yeah. something about eating rubbish yeah in the no, cinema yeah. that makes me I don't mind it costs I mean I times. think
2: I, we're here today actually um, uh, Jim's sort of signature sandwich which he asks for and I don't know if this fits into the rubbish food or not but he has yeah. a corned beef and um, what's the thing you have with it beetroot beet, corned beef and beetroot sandwich it's a bit of a mash of a colour
0: I think that's a very English sandwich though it is corned beef it's and very old fashioned is, isn't yeah. it Yeah because it's now all I mean pret manger and stuff but it used to, you didn't have much of a choice of sandwiches when I was young
1: no it was right. yeah, especially yeah. on on the school packed lunch yeah. cheese and onion che- I that's love it, cheese and onion Yeah, but, but sliced onion yeah. with a lot of onion not that uh, and not um, grated cheese yeah sandwiches yeah I quite like everyone says oh they're a bit
0: soggy Sandwich. I like a soggy sandwich. the other thing I love is just moving from supercars is a service station. I think mm. it again comes from youth of the, the excitement of going to the service station. You could like have a sweet. I like, think the best. Thing, I
2: mean, on. I think a big highlight for me was the service station. There's a few of not that many, but one where you could sit on. The, the, there was a bridge that connected the two service uh-huh. station. You could sit on the bridge, car spotting and lorry spotting, as the cars and lorries came underneath you, chomping away on your. You have your MIVI and your And whatever your other sort of snacks you were allowing yourself. Yeah. But I do worry though that the independent uh, roadside cafe is now under threat because there's less and less of them. Also, cafes
0: now, again, going back to that thing that is the really nice sausages made from the Happy Pigs and they're fantastic, but it's a very different thing a cafe fry up from, I don't know, the ginger pig fry up, whatever it is. Yeah. That's something uniquely, I don't know, is British cafe culture of cafe and all those you know the formica and you think the shepherdess has just gone yes when we talk about english food culture and british food culture we tend to you know we tend to forget about the cafe culture and yes that, that's right. was our. we we uh, had lots uh, of cafes i, I
2: think that's was one we used to go to down the road here frank's so i still yeah. think of it but they made their own pies every day it was just the chicken pie meat pie um, and you knew and, what you were getting so yeah, on wednesday delicious. it'd be heart yeah stuffed hearts on a wednesday um, and liver and bacon which oh,
1: i think would possibly be my death row Dinner. I love liver and bacon mm. liver and bacon and onions awful mm. oh. with mash oh. yeah, yeah but, but good, good liver because not that like stuff it's something with the tubes
0: yeah. at school we had oh, that no. was just what's not the best that. liver well I'd, I'd say calves because you know I'm a, I'm a soft southerner but people would say pig or ox so i you you got more. calf mm. I yeah. like calf though but, uh, yeah, pies. So uh, pie, I think we do pies well here. I love That's a about, pie. I love pies. They're just yep. handheld. Everything you've got, everything you need
2: in it. I wonder history. I was thinking this the other day. When was the first pie recorded in England? Do we know that? Tudor times. Yeah, well, they they they
0: taught, but you had the great pie, didn't you, in Tudor times? Which, but that was when the rich you had your lark tongues and your peacock and your quail and your bustard and all that, and that was all big, wasn't it? All big ceremony on the Tudor yeah. table and all those lovely spices to show how rich you. Four were. and
1: twenty blackbirds. Yeah, baked Did in the pie. Yeah,
0: but when it came, I think they with the Melton mowbray port pie, wasn't it something to do with hunting that you were going out in Melton mowbray, you know, to go and go hunting, chase the deer, the fox, whatever it was. And you needed something to, to put it in your saddle bag. Yes. Which would Just take the whole day. At the, throw at the fox. To- and so, yeah, so you'd have the pie and it that, it's gradually evolved that this mm. rough pastry would actually become edible. Then you put that lovely jelly in, and then you had the Melton Mowbray pork
1: pie. And same with the pasty. Mm. I, went, been, yeah. I went to the Melton Mowbray pie shop, oh, one where the make. Have you been in there? It's amazing, yeah. It's the best pie I've ever had in my life. And Dickinson you can Morris. have a Melton Mowbray pie from a supermarket but you've not tasted anything until you've been into the Melton Mowbray pie shop.
2: A nice homemade pie that you have a slice out of is what I quite like. we get a, nice, like a, you can pie. Have a slice of it and you get a, a slice and... A, a little bit of egg and, in the middle. Uh, yeah. No, that's sort of a, a... No, that's a gala pie. Yeah, that's it? a gala pie. What yeah. a great name for a pie. A gala. Yeah. Oh, it's a lovely gala we're having here. I
1: don't know how they get, they get the egg to go all the way through it, though.
2: <laughs> i tell you what I do like, is, which is hard to get nowadays. you ask for toast... Toast comes and they give you some frozen butter in this little silver thing. Yeah. But that. But when a cheap calf, you get your toast already buttered and it's in. Infu- because the butter needs to be applied to the toast immediately it comes out of being toasted, so the butter infuses, isn't it? But yeah. in posh places, you never get that. You also get
0: sourdough the whole time. I mean, a bacon sandwich with sourdough. There's, there's no. A, a bacon sandwich has to have the cheaper white bread because it has to be able to crush down and it has to be if you have the sourdough your mouth's all being ripped apart you're mm. not getting the bacon you're getting the, the bread oh it's the poshest bacon sandwich it's not baker's sandwich should be in you know mother's pride or sh- I think it should be white as well the mm. bread. do
1: you know what gets right on my wick yes <laughs> while well, uh, we're
2: talking about wicks and goats yeah, being got
1: up is, uh, yeah, wicks well, being got on that. Yeah. Um, when you're in a cafe and the salt and vinegar and pepper and everything it comes in sachets Oh, yes. But what, isn't that just a massive waste? Like, you're just throwing plastic around all over the place for one thing. And, you know, is it supposed to limit the amount of vinegar people put on? Yeah, right.
2: and it's impossible to open. And I find, when you try and open them, any of those things, they'll go they, yeah. all down my shirt, and that's the end of it, you know. Oh, it's a terrible Or, or squirt over my neighbour's what neck.
1: What's wrong with a bottle of Sarsens
2: and some yes. Saxa yes. on the table? Well, there we have. had a few gripes there. Um <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm totally food obsessed. So I only go to, I, I, this is the often, I've never been to Cuba. Amazing music, people, history, culture. Can't go because people say the food's rubbish. That I'm that shallow. The first thing I do immediately is, you know, you go to know, Thailand or Mexico or France. It's always working out where to go and eat. It's all Everything's built around where you're going to eat. What's for lunch? What's for dinner? What's for breakfast? Where's the nice street food places? Yes.
2: But it's quite hard to find the right place because often places are really good they're not on the it you know you can't believe anything Chris, because on Traveler yeah. Review it said this was the best place I've ever been we've all done that and turned not, up and it's a load of yeah, rubbish trip so, yeah. so you forget all of that one of the things I have learnt to do is I say to if I've got a night off and we're on tour somewhere yeah. in an international city I say to the person behind the desk of the telecom taking my mother out yeah. uh, for her 90th birthday and she only likes really old-fashioned things where could we go yeah and then you're sort of half a chance but sometimes they sort of direct me to sort of sex clubs I mean <laughs> <sometimes> <laughs> mad but that is that's a start because at least you're going to go somewhere where they you and, might get a table coffee.
0: and a lot of the time people in different countries don't believe you and you say oh you know because oh I really want to go eat the authentic food mm. you know they're like yeah right you know off you go to the thing but bloggers get a lot of hassle from the the established press you know oh, they're bloggers and they're not they're not doing the research but I tend to ask, and that's where social media does have a bit of an advantage, if you're somewhere and you sort of say, anyone know where you can get nice this that you'll get a million things but you'll be able to filter through and find the same uh, places come up a few times and
2: I mean one I I, I chose one place this is when I was last on tour um, and I would recommend it strongly and it was just before all the lockdown started in 2020 it was in March and we were on tour in Germany and three of us were in the car was myself my tour manager and Katie Tunstall the singer and I looked on the map to see where the hotel was and where the venue is in a small town called Leverkusen. And um, I thought, right, well, we'll look for someone for lunch. And I was looking, and up on Google Maps, you had some names of what, there was a little yeah. bit of a, I could see there were some shops and a restaurant. And I zoomed in, and it was called Restaurant F-U-C-K. Restaurant Fuck, yeah. with a with an umlaut over it. I thought yeah. well, we've got to go there. I love the German don't... language. And yeah. then as we got closer, there was this fantastic restaurant Fuck, and they had catering Fuck, brasserie Fuck, <laughs> hotel Fuck. It was just so perfect, <laughs> uh, and and it was like a big joke. Of course, we went in, but actually, this is the important bit. It was one of the most delicious lunches I've ever had. Absolutely perfect, like a like it was German German sort of grandmother's dinner. It oh, was really I love, delicious. I love,
0: love German food. I love oh. I love a, a sausage, but no, I just yeah. Even anywhere I go, and you can always find goods anywhere. Mm. It's always looking for those little places in places that oh, you're not going to find anywhere in Reading. Well, then you ask the local Reading experts, and you find the most amazing regional Chinese or Gujarati yes. Indian, or and that's changed a lot, you know. Because London, you think oh, you know, because if you go to near I'm not too far away. So Uxbridge you know, you suddenly move into a whole different world of, you know, regional Indian food. Or if you disappear down to New Malden, to, you know, and suddenly the whole high street's in Korean. And this is for me what makes London great. Is it's a city built entirely on immigration. Ever since the Romans saw a nice bend in the river, they thought, oh, well, that would be nice for a garrison. Yeah,
2: and that's why there's it's a lot of been Italian, made great. And that's why there's a lot of Italian restaurants in London. To Italians, this Jewish,
0: you know, you yeah. get when you get the sort of. People go, oh, you know, English is fish and chips. Well, you know, fried fish is, was brought in by Jewish immigrants, you know, surf cold, and chips are well French, Belgian, or Lancashire, d- depends who you believe, but but probably French or Belgian. mash up of all those different, and things. and it came together, and everyone's, you know, there's you know this idea that it's very you know fish and chips is pure English, you know, it, it's not at all. And that's what I find interesting about food is it cuts away all the all the rubbish
1: about the stuff, you know, it's all fusion. Everything's all mixed We're all yeah. mixed up, you know. I was uh, on a book signing tour once and I went to Edinburgh and on I did my heart set on a deep fried haggis and chips. <laughs> I was looking forward to it and I got to Edinburgh and unbeknownst to me, all the top knobs from, um, I think it was Penguin, all turned up, all ready to take me out for a really nice dinner. <laughs> and I said, i really fancy... Um, this deep fried haggis and chips so eventually i got them all to sit on a bench with deep fried haggis and chips in their finery (laughs) in the middle of and i got my own way yeah was it a slice of haggis or was it a little mini mcsween's sort of i don't know i can't remember it was just deep fried just a bit of haggis and i love haggis yeah absolutely love it Hmm. What's your earliest memories of driving around, and did you have a picnic in the car? My parents, much to my horror at an early age, were not. I was at sort of prep school and public school
0: with lots of posh cars and Range Rovers, and yeah. my parents could not give a crap about it. So my dad had a, at one point had a Nissan Cherry, a white Nissan Cherry. Nice, it really. I it was all right. He, I got it. It was my second car by the Plastic time it was, I passed oh, my yeah. driving
2: test in one of those. Yeah. It was
0: anyway. It was big. It was much bigger than it was. Um, my mum had a Strada, a Fiat Strada. Remember the round. Uh, door handles yes because obviously in the country it wasn't like London you had to drive everywhere so if you went to the video shop you had to drive you went to the cinema you went to the butcher whatever so yeah it was sitting in the back and my cousin my earliest memory is my cousin Ben he was always car sick so I remember once he you know being sick in the car and that smell in the car of a long journey your mum sort of half cleaned it out well, it's alright it in, in the Nissan of... un-
1: Cherry because it's got plastic seats yeah it would be, it would be yeah. the Strada
0: which wasn't so it was Italian it had yeah. fabric seats and yeah, but it was always... The, the car was our life you know
2: and were you a car person did you think yeah, I'd like to get a car and all that was that a thing that you wanted or was it just or was it just as a matter of transport that you wanted to get a car it course?
0: was the transport more I, I you know I like the BMW for some reason I like the sticker on the you know the, the decal or whatever it was or, yeah. or, the, or, or the, the brand thing for another reason it, it looked quite nice but no I was never never I had a go-kart which was homemade go-kart oh well, that's spoke.
2: quite good well you made it yourself no
0: you? no, no the, there was a man at, at home called Stuart who could basically fix anything and he worked Run everywhere. So if your something is broken, if your boiler is broken, if your car was broken, if your lawnmower is broken, you call Stuart and Stuart would come in. And my dad was oh, it's very cheap, very can do it anyway. He made a go kart out of steel tubes oh. and a, a tiny two-stroke engine oh and one the, one that oh, he no. was a dismembered suit was a genius you know and he'd be like fixing stuff and tractors but that's and,
2: a, a motorised go-kart that's quite a thing motorised yeah, 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 yeah
0: it was a two-stroke it was, a yeah, it was tiny you could you really go down to the ground and, and it had sort of, so you drove
1: that down to Blockbuster. no no no, no.
0: drove that I drove that around the <laughs> country the yeah yeah but yeah so all that sort of stuff and motorbikes and you know fence had little monkey bikes anything you go fast on without work, because you know in the 70s you wore a t-shirt and a I've still got a scar down on my arm motoring injuries, injury a Motoring injury. That it was a three wheeler motorbike my, we got an ATC 70 from my grandma who was really generous and really nice and when we were about 11 it was the best present I'd ever had in my whole life it was red and my mum said so you have to wear a seat you, know, you have to wear a helmet and all that because we could drive around all the country lanes and stuff but we did it was hot and you just put on your swimming trunks and caned it oh. off and took off the you had a little screw in it you could take it off that made it go You know, it was a speed yeah. thing anyway I flipped off it onto a gravel path, went about 20 metres down on uh. my elbow. We were supposed to be going to a party that night, about 13 or 14. So my cousin Ben was like trying to like dig out the gravel and do me up with a plaster inside. My mum just followed the, the blood through the house and, uh, <laughs> and I was there sheet white, you know, <laughs> losing blood. And we didn't make it to the party. Oh. Was that the um, end of the bike? That was, no, it was it was banned for a little bit, but then, we, you know, it was, it was freedom. You know, you could just disappear off into the fields on this bike and uh, yeah so that was it that was, it was more that so I wasn't really very horsey I grew up very horsey yeah. it was motorbikes
2: uh, yeah.
1: motorbikes and, uh, and the BMW what the BMW. was the first car you ever wanted when you were a kid
2: oh well I think I remember that quite clearly because I think I'd been taken to the motor show by my father when I was four in Earl's Court and when we left the motor show we got to the road and we were just crossing the road and I sort of went to walk out and hadn't seen that it was like the right lights were still green or whatever. And, and there was a... And sort of my father grabbed me by the sort of scruff of the neck and pulled me back stopped me from being run over. And I looked and there was this man sort of looking quite cross because he'd nearly run over. Um, and uh, it was a Rolls Royce. And my, I remember my father saying to me, We don't want to get run over, even if it's by a Rolls Royce. <laughs> and, and, in, and like in a film, those words, Rolls Royce, Rolls Royce, Rolls yeah. Royce, were echoing. And I saw it sort of whoosh past. I thought, Oh, I'd like a Rolls Royce. <laughs> what about
0: trains? you like a train? I, I love, one? I love trains. I, I mean, again, living, uh, we had Chippenham as our stop, and it was on the, um, it was the you know, British Rail up to Paddington. So Paddington, for me, I've always loved <clears throat> because it was the gateway to London. And London was this place that, on the one hand, it was Fortnum & Mason looking at the window and Harry's and the Christmas lights and lots of people. On the other hand, there was a magazine in the cottage by our house a couple of policemen used to live. And they had a police magazine and it had a fellow with a balaclava on, a really scary bloke on the front. And it said as sort of London crime rates go up. And oh, I, was, I was just convinced if you went to London, this guy in the balaclava you know they are everywhere and they have come oh, and burgle because they in. had
2: the police gazette with all of the that wanted the police, people yeah, yeah they had
0: the
1: police gazette so I was terrified on the one hand but Paddington when you went into that beautiful station lovely yeah how about um, St Pancras station that's my favourite beautiful, ah, beautiful building Terminus yeah it is in it's
2: international
1: yeah Gilbert Scott isn't it isn't yes it? Yeah, and, and they've
2: lovely. got I love the fact that you could get a train from there that would either drop you at Ebb, Ebb's Fleet or moments later in the time it would take to blink you can be in Brussels
0: there's something about getting on a train from London. It might be raining, it might be sunny and disappearing. You start seeing, you know, the old hop houses yeah. and you get to Margate and you're by the seaside and you feel like you're in a different world. And it's only an hour and 30 on the train.
2: Yeah. Um, I think that's the I great thing. I the train. train. And I quite like eating on a train. Um, when I used to do that program, The Tube, I used to go up to Newcastle and we and I'd get the train with Paul Yates. In the morning, or whatever it was, I think it was maybe the half past nine or ten o'clock train oh, to Newcastle, breakfast. and you'd have breakfast on the train with a, with tablecloths yeah. and a silver teapots, waiters and waitresses with bow ties and on and the whole thing. And it was re- it was real. I sort of knew the fellas names and the ladies' names that ran it, and it was really, it was really fantastic. And we used to give them a, a nice tip, and then you didn't have to buy a first class ticket because you could just yeah. sit, in, sit in the restaurant car for the rest of the journey because you'd give them a, a bung. It was great.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> you used to know. Yeah, you're right. You used to get to know those people. Yes. What would you be to dear like Mister yes. Holland? Would yes. you like your, your normal egg
2: and chips? Yes, the usual. Like, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they used to do that down until very recently on the um, Plymouth uh, train. Yeah, you get a Pullman in the first class, white tablecloth, a menu,
2: wine list. And no, I, 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 I love eating on a train is lovely. I did actually. I was in recently. I was on a uh, German train going from Hamburg, I think, to Stuttgart and I thought it was quite an adventure because I like a train mm. and they did come round and they were rather bossy I have to say no. uh, because they had a sort of a selection of things on a trolley and while I was humming and hawing, which only hummed and ha- he said which one do you want sort of thing and I said oh just sort of just quick sharp intake of breath just literally for mm, like Smell, yeah. yeah, 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 which one do you want oh <laughs> well,
1: well, well. <laughs> it was the, in Japan on the bullet trains there, they come around there, are fantastic they come around bowing with bento boxes oh. and say look, look at this please what oh. would you like and they're fantastic it's like top end restaurant food oh so the one to Kyoto Tokyo you're sat on yeah oh yeah, lovely. smooth, boom yeah. and like
0: Swiss trains that arrive on the second of the dot you're standing That's there right. and they smooth I'm saying, in and, it, and it, in fact,
2: I was, somebody took me to. And, and I was halfway with my bags, like just loading them up because the platforms were a low level right? and I was enjoying my continental rail travel but you're right, when it says the train's leaving at 10.23 exactly as the minute hand goes yeah. tick, 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 10.23, off it goes and it was like two seconds and I was just pulling the bag on and then the train started to move off. And, and there was a, a sort of a guard standing on the platform. And I was sort of, wait, well, hang on, this is dangerous. But he, no, no, it's, it's like he was looking at yeah. his watch, you know, as if, you know, so that.
1: And, was... this, and they do that in Japan as well with the, with the white gloves. Yes. They point true. at the clock, point at the train. Yeah. And then, and, then, and, point point at you, and then point at you falling off it. Yeah, <laughs> point at you. Say, so you, look at the clock <laughs> and the train, and you better get on it now. <laughs> well,
2: I'm all for that now, really. I mean, yeah. Trains are magnificent, though. But
0: there are certain train rides, especially when talking of the West again, when you're coming past Plymouth, I think it's a Redry thing, it's called. you go past the Red Rocks, well, you go past the Plymouth Estuary first. Beautiful yes. right. and you go past the Red Rocks. Some of those train journeys, there's a train journey from Chengdu to Lhasa, Lhasa in Tibet that's the highest train journey in the world it takes a couple of days. I'm desperate to do that, that's my next. Yes,
2: so you're <laughs> really quite a keen train traveller. I, I
0: love the train. Mm. I mean, I'm not quite Michael Portello with the Indian trains. So, you know, when wandering around, this is, I think you can have overkill with, with yeah. Michael Portello and Indian trains. But, but um, yeah, I mean, the Indian trains are amazing. I mean, and that's not obviously saying that Empire was great or anything like that, imperialism. I'm just, I'm just saying that, that there's some really good trains in India.
2: Yeah. And look, um, you're allowed to travel on the roofs of them, aren't you? Which is much better think, than Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do that on, on the GWR,
0: but, but uh, yeah. Um, I just think you just give up all responsibility on the train, sit back, you, you can yes. read your book, you can have a drink. And, and you, you might
2: meet, I wouldn't be, my parents met on the, the on the train, the the, the, uh, the, um, the the train that went from Greenwich to London. They just happen to... The door's shut, slam shut. And they're going there, past London Bridge somewhere. And he sort of strikes up a conversation with her and they strike a the conversation. He said, I think, something like, I'm only on the train because my dad's Aston Martin is being serviced. <laughs> right. Lie number one. <laughs> um, there was no Aston Martin. It wasn't being serviced. But that sort of was a conversation starter. But that... And then from, from that initial meeting... I mean, I think it, it was... Well, it wasn't immediately that moment. But then... You know, then then uh, along came me. So, so there uh-huh. you are. You never know who you might bump Train's into. Brilliant. Strangers on a train. There, it's a romantic sort of thought, isn't it? You know,
1: brief encounter.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, nothing ever happened then, did it? Did it happen at the end? Though, well,
1: then? You knew, well, you don't really know. But that's
2: you. your. It's left. Yeah. Man called Willie Sterling. I knew had studied it, and he knew somebody who worked who'd worked on it, and he said. But Trevor Howard kept saying, Well, I don't quite understand what my motivation is. Do I fuck her or I'm not? I don't understand. I don't bloody understand. <laughs> so, but in the film, we don't get any of that. Yeah. But that's a brief encounter. And Strangers on a Train. What's that one? That's the Hitchcock one when they disappear. Yes. Do you
0: remember, is it? Is it the two? Is it the one with the tennis? The, something to do with tennis? Someone disappears on a train, and the train is moving. And they, one one offers somebody else to kill his wife, I think, and then does it. Or does, yeah, oh, so, uh, that's right. That. I saw um, it and, recently. Uh, yes, yeah, brilliant. I saw it, it that's,
2: recently. That's right.
0: Problem is, that, you watch these at sort of ten thirty at night, and you might have had a couple no,
2: of drinks. No, saw I saw it the other day. Things. It was very good. Not, so and, there's
1: and, another thing you could do whilst on a train in a coach just to strike up conversation and say. To person you yeah. don't know, opposite. Would you kill my wife yeah. for yes. me, please? Yes.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yes. That's a very good opener. And yeah. in fact, on I did look it up on before I watched the film, or maybe it was on the notes on the back of the DVD or something. It said Hitchcock said that he uses the. Um, there's footage at the beginning of it like of, off the front of a train well, well those big American trains but it, and it's like of all the points and it's coming across through a big junction with lots and lots of train tracks to illustrate and to put into the viewer's mind the crisscross of the chance encounters of crisscrossing and his endless crossings going yeah. on. And he kept you, he, he returns to that throughout the film as a form of railway symbolism. And, and, and mm.
0: like more railway, you know, when when the train used to go and the tunnel would go woo, woo! Yeah, exactly. And, and a, a that, different sounds. Sort of sex version of it, yeah. wasn't it? it was, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Really, yeah. great, yes. that's yeah. right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. My first job when I left school, I went to work in SAB, which was something in Swedish, but it was Svenska Otto Bromps Regulator, which they made brake regulators for trains and I used to go out and I uh, was sent out to a foundry in Shilden to watch them making massive big wagon wheels which was a fantastic sight. red hot iron, iron yeah, what, pig iron into moles. pumped into moles oh. to make to make Ooh. railway into, into wheels into moulds. into moles Moles. <laughs> oh, no, <not> <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the cra- moles. Crawl. These giant cool. moles, like pig iron, and then <laughs> farted out <laughs> train wheels.
2: There was... Um, I do go to Shildon the other day where they have got a lot of, it's a museum now, of yeah. trains. It's very good. I'd recommend it. Actually, that's a very good place. So the Railway Museum at York, you can go and have your lunch and you can get sort of a perfectly reasonable sort of, I don't know, pie or something. Yeah. Uh, but when you're having it, it's like being in Brief Encounter because you're on this 1950s or 1930s station with all the trains there and the sort of noise and the, and the sort of old porters things and everything. And it's really, it's like a really super. And in fact, I got to know them a little and it was a special treat they showed me onto Queen Victoria's carriage, which is there, which is absolutely a gothic masterpiece. It's like a gothic palace. Uh, and has small. a bath and all that sort of stuff. Well, it's quite small. It's a three-wheeled carriage that's probably... Uh, it's like half the length of a modern carriage, but with the gothic doors and a buttoned ceiling and buttons... Anyway, and I was taken into it as a special treat, and this must have been about 15, 20 years ago, and the director of the museum did it. I, thought, I said, this is amazing, and I, I sort of sat down on the on the sort of sofa in the in the Queen Victoria's carriage, button, perfect button sofa. I said, this is one of the most beautiful carriages I've ever seen. And I looked round at the director who showed him, his face had gone bright red and his cheeks were twitching and his eyes were bulging. And I thought he was about to have a heart attack or something. And the man behind an assistant was going like, sort of was gesturing me to get up and I, and the assistant said just well actually the thing is, uh, the, 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 that is the original material and the last person to sit there was Queen Victoria, and it's very fragile and, and it's very, I said oh sorry, 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 and the poor director had to be helped off a, a rather pale and white and I was never asked yeah. back again. No,
1: surprisingly all grubby and arse. <laughs> exactly,
2: <laughs> just arse would have done it. <laughs> <Just> saying, <"Bubby." laughs>
1: Well, uh, thank you, Tom. I think we've probably (laughs) covered all aspects. We better stop there, otherwise, Jules will have gone all day about trains (laughs) and we won't be able to stop him. But thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Tom Parker Bowles. (laughs) Thank you, Tom. (laughs) There goes Tom, stomping his way around um, Hard Park, looking for lovers. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> Looking for interesting folk to bump into Wherever they may be As he, as he f- fearlessly prowls further Into its interior mm.
1: This podcast was produced and edited By Molly
2: Stewart Sound engineers with James Stewart And George Latham